guys welcome back to season 3 of nba reels keeping it real with you i'm arvind and i'm pranav so this episode we're going to be focusing on not so mainstream topics um which are going to be including um the scoring boom that we've seen recently in the nba and um a surprising season for the sacramento kings jazz and lori markkanen and how he is fit into his role as uh, one of the best players on that team and finally we're going to be focusing on phoenix suns and their chemistry issues and how far they will be making it in the playoffs so let's get started right so i think we'll start with the scoring boom first right yeah okay so basically i was sitting at home yesterday morning and i was watching the cavs game but then i realized that this wasn't something that i've ever seen before Mitchell had 8 points in the first half but ended regulation with 58 points. This is not something that is normal. He was making all kinds of shots. He was driving inside at will. He was basically exploiting any defender that stood in front of him and he ended the game including overtime with 71 points. That is something that I have not seen in my life. As long as I've been an NBA fan, I haven't seen a 70 point game. Have you? No, I haven't either. This is my first time. Yeah, so I mean, the last time we can recall a seventy-one game is Booker scoring it, and yeah, let me tell you, that was also a heat check of sorts. But was that as good as this? No, that that was like for a losing cause. He was not doing anything. He was just having the ball and he was throwing up shots, and they went in. And he just got his points up. But this was for a winning cause, and he came up when it mattered. He gave his all when it mattered because. if you like as you said he had 58 points by the end of regulation and by the end of ot he had 71 points which means he scored 13 points in overtime alone there's that's right. that's literally unprecedented and I've never heard of anything of that sort like you you take your team like against all odds to go for the win with like your heat check and like however hot you are at that given point of time that's like something out of this world especially with the energy it takes to play so many minutes and uh, if you look at the game he was literally like in overtime he literally blew by defenders right from the opposing three point line and scored like past two defenders so that's the energy it takes to just you know grab the ball and go right past to the other end of the floor it's, it's like unheard of and it really needs a lot of will Uh, for a person to you know push himself through all that all the uh, minutes he's played all the um, shots he had to take all the defense also that he had to you know uh, be good at because it was a close game and he couldn't make you know he couldn't uh, slip even for a second so when you look at how much he's done with what he's had it's a great it was a great game it was one of the best games i've ever seen right but then again this wasn't even the best game in the past month arguably because yeah. luka had the nba's second ever 60 point triple double except he went way beyond hard in 60 10 and 11 he had 60 points 21 rebounds and 10 assists now that actually blew my mind for another second because <laughs> the ending of both those games were very similar they were down 3 and needed to get a 3 to win but they were fouled and then they needed to miss the second free throw and get a tip in so 
right now watching the nba is a haze of many emotions your team could be down 20 you know at the half and they could still come back back in like the 2000s this was not the case if a team had a good enough lead going into the fourth quarter they were pretty secure they were playing good enough defense to merit a win even at that point like even if they had like a streaky shooter comebacks were not as often as they're being made right now and that day when i watched donovan mitchell play the warriors played next and i remember not tuning into the game but i tuned in towards the end and clay was sitting shot after shot like man was out of his mind especially the season when i thought he was washed he ended up with 54 and the win at home i don't know how to explain this unprecedented scoring but it has a lot to do with how defenses are guarding don't you think yeah especially like when you uh, when the ball is with the superstar of the team and during late game situations most of the teams are just like given the ball and get out of the way so that kind of works in the superstar's favor where he gets to you know take all the shots and go to the line and that obviously increases his scoring but at the same time do you think it's advantageous or disadvantageous to the whole uh, team because putting so much pressure on one person might turn out to be good in some situations but will it be good in all situations right that's actually a really good question because right now i'm not sure in donovan mitchell and luka's case they were clearly needed to score that much in order to win the game because luka i don't think has a clearly defined second option on that team um, and mitchell was missing garland which is why he had to put the team on his shoulders and the whole team like cleveland and even the mavs rely on these players to create for the whole team and mitchell shot around 25 free throws that game as a guard you know getting that many free throws when his average is not that high is actually insane it it proves that he drove every single time he didn't just rely on taking outside shots right now in the nba it's not just the three it's the foul calls as well like they're giving out a lot more free throws per game and the star players are getting more calls than often and i don't know if this is good or bad but i i've heard you complain to me about how lebron doesn't get as many foul calls as say harden or embiid but he still scores right and he still puts up his great numbers like right now i think lebron is still having one of the best seasons like i i don't think any anyone at his age has had a better season so what is what is what are what are some of the other causes you think of this unprecedented boom um okay other causes might be you know um what do i say so when you when okay so as you said when garland was absent donovan mitchell had to you know take on the complete load and likewise luka without a second certified superstar he had to you know carry the whole team on his, on his back so when players like that take control of a team they tend to you know look at other players on their team as just players who can help them win or help him help the team win you know what i mean so he they they look at other i mean they look at the teammates as people who can facilitate his contribution to the team which eventually might or might not lead to a win by but they obviously have to focus or obviously try to focus on their game and try to translate their big game into a win instead of you know for example um, if uh, the mavericks had um, for example tim hardaway junior scoring 40 and uh, luka scoring 20 and uh, winning would you ever believe that 
like if both of them play f- like uh like at maximum minutes or whatever like would you even believe that happening this season yeah i mean if you look at it that way it speaks to more of the consistency of these players playing in high volume situations mm-hmm. like you said yeah luka and the players at this point are so skilled that they're able to shoulder that high usage and still carry the offense through the fourth in overtime finishing with a completely insane game score even though the whole game they've had to do it and yeah. like you said i don't think a secondary player is as consistent in the nba right now the roles have been very reversed each team has their one player who they can give the ball to and create the whole offense they don't have specific roles in the nba anymore it's more like exactly. 3 and d wings centers who rebound and rim protect and a helo centric player who essentially carries the burden on his own like i think you look at the big teams they they all have it uh, they all have it except the lakers but they're a really weird and special team but in retrospect now the nba has evolved to this sort of place right like the nets mm-hmm. kevin durant the sixers it's embiid and harden it's you know the teams which have a center as their best player nikola jokic he is their central point of their offense everything runs through him and you know in this sort of season and environment where the players are encouraged to create their own shot do everything the skill level is at such a high ceiling that the shooting skill the driving skill everything is at an all time high i don't think we've had this many great shooters at the same season in nba history yeah yeah like you know like uh, how do i say this there have been only a handful of players who've shot above 40% in the 2000s but right now literally every team seems to have a player who's shooting above 40% from three and they're doing it on a very very high volume and they're taking like an insane amount of attempts like back in even 2017 2018 and the rockets were setting their record for the most three pointer shot by a team only harden would take that many threes and his teammates were looked at as stupid for taking that many threes but no every team does it yeah that's absolutely a change which i never thought we'd see even uh, as part of that uh, 1718 rockets team eric gordon used to take a lot of threes and primarily he was a three point shooter but he used to take as many attempts as harden and at that time it was seen as confidence but i think literally everyone as you said is doing it right now and yeah to again answer your question have you ever noticed like how uh the 14 second after the offensive rebound um thing has helped the offensive team because they get the reset which is almost as equivalent to the entire 24 seconds of a shot clock when they get to reset and you know just focus more on what they have to do do you think that's uh, that could be a f- uh that could be a reason as to why these people uh scoring more That's actually a good point. I feel like that urges the offense to move faster, right? Like you look at an NBA team back then, they just have to get a shot up and get the rebound and then they have a whole new 24 seconds to play, right? But this time, they only have 14 and that makes them rethink their entire game plan after getting the rebound really fast because you can't really think get it back to the point guard and then make him run a set play because there's only 14 seconds. Exactly. Right now, I think that encourages teams to take more threes because the long rebound could go either way and it usually goes to the offensive team. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like but if, like at any rate, what about the landing space rules? Do you think that has something to do with this? The what? The landing space rules like 
when after that controversial James Harden call in the 2018 finals where uh, you know the Rockets complained that if they had got all the calls right they would have won and then Kawhi um, getting his quadriceps injury after Zaza made him land awkwardly they made the new rule where the defender isn't allowed to get into the space and if he gets into the space it's uh, flagrant yeah but i i don't think that could have impacted the game as much as we see it right now because that's you know i i don't think players would have anyway done that and the times that it happened could have just been like uh, an issue with their momentum when they were defending like they they could have just like landed over there but i don't think that was like you know uh a factor to hinder the um offensive players scoring per se um so i i look at it from a different aspect as to wherein uh, we look at spacing which is occurred because of the wide usage of the three ball um that could have impacted scoring a bit more slightly uh like a little bit more than usual because you have like one proper big man on the team and you have all shooters around him and even sometimes the big man can also shoot the three so when he's out of the paint like <clears throat> there's literally one player at the top of the key two players on uh, the two corners and two players on either side so when you have the entire paint yeah. empty with the other center guarding uh, the center that's in the corner you literally have so much space to score so when you look at it from that perspective i think spacing and the which which resulted is an eventual uh, result of uh, three point uh, barrage i i think that could have that could have had a possible impact on the scoring as well what do you think yeah 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 and looking at it just like that you know it really speaks to the amount of talent that we now have so having that much space would not mean much if you aren't able to convert the shot like back then i would say give it to kd or cp for taking that mid range shot but right now it seems like anybody is hitting that mid range shot like yeah. the elites are still the elites but now nba players know that that drive in and taking that mid range shot is not worth as much if you just maximize your three point attempts and yeah i mean i i think we'll see more games like this in the future we're not even close to all star break and already we've seen such historic performances like the stats are insanely eye popping it's actually today we saw a new career high yanis put up his career high mm-hmm. and just you know this many weeks into the nba season there have been 14 50 point games already it's already matched the total from two seasons ago that is absolutely insane and it's really good but i think you know it's becoming normalized the value of a 30 point game is not the same as it was 3 to 4 years ago don't you think yeah a 20 point game uh is i mean a 30 point game today is the new 20 point game and so on and so forth so i think that is that was an inevitable result of three point boom you know as the years progress i think it will get even better and better with um 40 point games being normalized but um yeah hopefully it doesn't because yeah if that happens wills record might be in jeopardy so we really don't know if that might happen but i wouldn't be surprised if it does is all i'm saying because going with current trends it's it's like the offensive team has all the power that's all i can see yeah and you know 40 point games even are slightly beginning to go under the radar 
with Embiid and Harden having a 10 and 2 record across the past 12 games but nobody's talking about Embiid's really good performances because his 40 point performances are being overshadowed and i don't know how to digest that so essentially the nba is at an is in an amazing place right now for rewatchability for just sheer entertainment so yeah if you are listening to this podcast and you want to tune into more nba games right now is a really good time and there are a lot of teams which have benefited of these you know movement offense more three pointers and one of them very surprisingly are the sacramento kings so yeah i'll let you start off with them yeah so ever since uh, the kings traded away uh, tyrese halliburton and uh, buddy heald um many people were judgmental of that trade for many reasons being uh, buddy heald was one of the best three point shooters in the league and tyrese halliburton was one of the best young stars uh, the kings had uh, laid their eyes on or laid their hands on in a very long time since um, dearon fox so why why would you break that up why would you break up uh, three stars who might be able to you know take the team pretty deep in the playoffs in the near future given the current time to play with together so i mean i think the main reason that happened was patience the i mean i don't blame them though the kings were running out of patience and they had to make changes and now with them having a lot of head coaches in the recent few years and none of them working out they hired warriors assistant coach mike brown and uh, safe to say that's I, i think that is working out for them this season you know with all the um uh, roles that everyone every single player has right from dearon fox to domantas bonus and uh, the other role players i i think they're a solid team they at least know their roles is what i feel what do you think right like looking at coaching that's like an obvious really huge difference i mean mike brown i think is one of the most forward thinkers in the nba having as you said been an assistant coach under steve kerr and we all know how steve kerr likes to run offense right put the motion uh in play get the ball moving run off screens yeah. do handoffs that type of thing and the kings mm-hmm. are running a lot of similar things but first we will get to why shield fox and you know halliburton was not a good trio and the thing is i don't know why they drafted halliburton in the first place they just did it because he was the most talented player at that point at the at their draft pick but they already had fox who was their franchise player right they knew it wasn't going to pan out they knew that they were going to have to pick and at the time i don't think that halliburton was the better choice but the thing is you know a daring person would have picked halliburton and right now in his paces uniform he is averaging 20 and 10 and that is insane if not for harden he would be the assist champ right now and for a player that is this young that is unheard of and he is a really good shooter as well so by taking fox and trading away halliburton they made a really big gamble on the duo of fox and sabonis spanning out right like other than drn fox who did they have the only other really good player that the sacramento kings had was um demarcus cousins and when he left them they never had a bona fide superstar who they could build around and drn fox was that dude who wanted to stay but then it was really sad to see halliburton go because he also expressed his opinion that he wanted to stay in sacramento he was actually excited to play with them right and for a team that hasn't made the playoffs in what 
they won they made their last playoffs in 2006 yeah 2006 right they have the longest drought sorry they have the longest ongoing drought from the nba playoffs in nba history no other team has gone this long for making the playoffs for a team like that you want to bring in star talent that wants to stay not just good star talent right so if it were up to you would you have kept halliburton or like you know said fox is we've tried our, uh, our best with him so you know might as well let him go yeah i i i would have definitely kept halliburton and i still stand by that decision because um i feel you can literally see what he's doing on uh, with the indiana pacers given his own team and with him being the primary primary ball handler you can see what he's doing and uh, uh, with the, with, the, with how the darren fox experiment has worked over the past few years i would have jumped the gun on uh, you know taking halliburton and shipping away darren fox but um i'm happy that this is working out for the kings thus far but i'm not sure if they can sustain this level of consistency uh, over the next few seasons but i don't want to you know uh, say anything without um, seeing things and seeing how they pan out uh, right from the playoffs and everything if they do make the playoffs um so i yes to answer your question yes i would have kept tyrese halberton but then again right like i'm of the opposite opinion as you i feel like dr and fox was the right choice but i'm i'm of the same opinion that they should have kept halberton at the time of the trade because i was also beginning to think fox was not what the kings needed maybe he would have been a better second option or something but right now looking at the season so far for the kings right the beam team all the new hype and with mike brown being like a defensive minded coach and sabonis being one of the best passing bigs in the game other than jokic dr and fox is having a career year he has learned to you know put his talents to the right use he is driving and you know he is basically a budget russell westbrook that's what i've been saying for years and i'm not the biggest fan of russ but i like players who give it their all and play right like you yeah. want players like that like dr and fox is now committed to the kings they've chosen him and they've given him that opportunity to play as the the alpha in this offense and with players like kevin herter malik monk Keegan Murray who's actually been really good for them and Harrison Barnes they're they're all really good shooters and they can also defend and with the coaching change you know it's been working out a lot of kinks that they that they had like buddy heald was not someone who could create and fox was not good enough to create for him at that point fox has gotten a lot better with passing and you know you know how the warriors offense works right that's literally how they're playing yeah. and uh, you know I'm really happy to see that every single starter on the Kings, you know, is giving their best. Uh, for example, um, with uh, if you look at the uh, last game the Kings had with the Utah Jazz, where they uh, where the Kings won by two points, all the starters had more than fifteen uh, points. Uh, with De'Aaron Fox leading all of them with thirty-seven points, um, even Keegan Murray, I, I think he's a comparatively new player. um he had 16 points on a uh, good shooting and obviously uh, demandus sabonis had a monster double double with 21 points and 14 rebounds so yeah as i was saying everyone now knows what they are and what they need to do for example sabonis is a center and all he needs to do is get rebounds and uh, to in addition to that he had eight assists the highest on the team so i think he might uh, i mean he does Uh, where he will have the potential to become a 
big star in the league and uh, it's i think it's safe to say that he's right on that track as of now and uh, we, uh, we definitely have to talk about kevin herter who was traded from the atlanta hawks uh, to the kings he's been shooting lights out from three this season and uh, he's been a huge boost to their offense uh, this season especially with uh, you know uh, i think keegan murray and uh, kevin herter being their primary shooters they they're doing an amazing job thus far right and if you look at kevin herter right there was this stretch at the start of the season where he was shooting 50% from 3 i was mm-hmm. convinced that he was the second coming of steph curry but you know he's cooled off a little bit now but still he is an integral part of their offense now so essentially yeah. the team has gotten a lot better because fox has become a much better decision maker coming off screens from sabonis essentially their offense is keeping sabonis as the pivot at the right inside the three point line where he can give a lot of handoffs and sabonis is really crafty with this you know how jokic operates at the top and he can make any pass he wants at any given time and the defense will not be able to react to it that's pretty much how sabonis does but it, he does very simple passes very elegantly and you know handoffs are not anything new but having a big man do handoffs and is capable of shooting the deep two is something that is very unique in today's nba sabonis does not take many threes he operates solely and mostly inside the mid range or inside the paint where he takes rebounds cleans up messes and plays really solid defense and that's the thing i don't think anybody would take the chance of sabonis except the kings even the pacers gave up on him even though he was playing stellar for them and right now i don't know if this duo of sabonis and fox will pan out unless they one of their co-stars develops a more you know uh gelling game with the two because herter is purely a shooter and monk yeah. he has the potential but i don't see him really interested in staying in sacramento he's not part of their culture so i want to see how far this can go because i'm so excited for fox i feel like everybody is underappreciated so far and he's showing us why he's deserving of the title of one of the top you know 10 point guards in the game okay that's that's kind of a stretch he's i mean to call okay, him... actually actually you know what let's 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 talk about our top 10 point guards you wouldn't put fox in there okay wait let me pull up that list you know our top 10 point guards there are a lot of point guards in the league that i would you know put over the aaron fox no disrespect to him of course but right. i just feel he's not in the top 10 right now no i want to know if you can name 10 point guards who you who you would pick over drn fox right off the top of your head um okay um steph obviously um dame right um kyrie um doncic um trey young jamarant harden um, is he a point guard yeah he's playing point guard right now okay yeah definitely harden shea yeah. um jamal murray you'd pick jamal murray over dr fox okay that's actually you know okay, it could go either way not? it could go either way okay um darius garland so far okay that's 10 okay and see It's kind of debatable because I would put him in the top 10 and, because and, I haven't and, and wait wait I'm not done if you want me to include another I have Tyrese Halliburton 
Chris Paul as my number one player over Darren Fox. That's just cap. See, CP is as a legend. As well, right? as you you said top ten point guards, and I'm just listing point guards, not the best player on their <laughs> team. Okay, but as we said, point guard has a very skewed skewed definition. But then again, all right, fine. I agree with you in a lot of aspects, but I think Fox is underappreciated. And day in and day out, there are in the top ten that you mentioned. Obviously, the top eight, I would not pick over Fox. but then after that gets a little bit sketchy fox if you know he has the right support around him he could be as great as them as jamal murray or tyler salaberton you ha- you have to agree with me on this yeah i mean he definitely has a potential to be better than them but he's just not there yet right and say murray if not for that bubble run i think i think would be equated as the same level as dr and fox but i don't think we're ready for that discussion yet it's not me underappreciating murray I just feel like I haven't seen him lead a team on his own, and you know maybe we'll never see that. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I think um, that's been it about Sacramento. So let's move on to Laurie Markkinen and his newfound alpha role with the Jazz. Yeah. So, like when the season started, we all thought you know the Jazz uh, were getting ready for Wemby, and you know we're going to tank and. they have no like real stars with their best player arguably being Jordan Clarkson who was a sixth man so getting away both their best players exactly so they weren't really projected to go anywhere uh, above the top uh, i mean uh, uh, above the bottom five seeds um but surprisingly they had an amazing start to their season and uh, you could credit that to you know players like uh, Lori Markkinen and uh, you know their shooters as well so i wouldn't really say that the jazz are a bad team right now because they are actually you know a solid team with every single player on the team being a young player with a bright future ahead so um i i would definitely say the jazz led by uh, lori markinen has turned out to be a good um, experiment thus far um mike conley is still there Kelly Olynyk also has been having a pretty good season so far compared to his other seasons. Uh Malik Beasley's um a solid uh, player off the bench for them. Uh and even Jordan Clarkson has moved on to the starting lineup now. So as you can see with Mike Conley being a veteran uh you know a leader for them. Uh Lloyd Markkinen has complete reins uh of the team. Uh so and he's a good shooter he's a big man he's athletic uh he is good on defense i wouldn't say he's bad on defense but obviously he can improve but that's not the focus right now on offense he is the number one option i think that's uh, not a debate anymore right but that's the thing about lorry right i never expected him to be this efficient coming into the nba season mm-hmm. he's been one of the most efficient scorers in the nba on high volume and you know 20 something points per game is not really high considering a lot of other scorers are above 30 right now and 
that's the thing about lori right he doesn't have to play that sort of hero ball he has shown us now that he can be really efficient while having a good enough offense while commanding a good enough offense mm-hmm. he is second in the nba in points per shot and he's only 25 years old i think people gave him a lot of shit in chicago right like when he was not playing up to par and just like lavin ironically who went to chicago and shined lori left chicago and now is playing out of his mind with the jazz now the record has kind of evened out a little bit right like they've taken a lot of wells in the past few games mm-hmm. but the team is really versatile like you know if i tell you a team that has colin sexton olenek as you mentioned mike conley i would not count in this list he is not the same as he used to be with the grizzlies yeah. he's pretty old but you know he's just there for that veteran presence taylen horton tucker a laker legend malik beasley a damn good 3.3 and d player and jared vanderbilt who is one of minnesota's most valuable players who i don't know why they included in this trade for rudy gobert i know now that. that that is actually a stupid decision made by minnesota not the jazz but the jazz totally fleeced them beasley and vanderbilt were two of their best players why would you give them for someone like gobert now you know there was this um, reddit article that i was reading all right and there was this minnesota player uh, minnesota fan talking about why the jazz gave them gobert in the first place and why the experiment was failing after a really good start mm-hmm. and in the comments i saw one really good answer that the indiana pacers were the first team to try this experiment with miles turner and domantas sabonis who I, who we mentioned earlier does not have a three point shot sabonis is a interior player while miles turner is a jack of all trades he can guard inside and play outside it didn't work because you can't play like that nobody is a true center right like who takes on the rim protection who who delegates like it's not a good strategy i feel the only good two center lineup that i feel like i would still play in today's nba is anthony davis and boogie cousins but that's not even a possibility anymore yeah i mean i i even think of that uh, the the timberwolves um resembling the pacers that's that's a pretty good take and now that you mention it i do see it uh, when there they do have two centers and okay i i personally have to admit this i thought the timbulls were going to make this work somehow but um uh, i'm sad that i was wrong so i mean the the timbulls don't do not know how to use rudy gobert as much as he was being used on the jazz he he's worse right now than what he was on the jazz and that's saying something that's saying a lot when uh literally the timbulls traded away half their uh, you know role players for him you would expect something like a change in his game or like you know an extra move or dominance in the paint or whatever but no none of that has, uh, has happened thus far and uh, i i you know what i had as an expectation or as a list of expectations for uh, you know uh, the timbul season i i thought yeah. um, rudy would uh, play a shack style game where he would you know post players up and you know just dunk on them because he has the body for that i mean he's not as big as shack no way but um he does have the athleticism he has the strength he's like when you look at him he's very very sleek and he's stronger than most of the centers in the nba he's very fit and uh, he's pretty tall obviously so one would expect him to you know just play bully ball in the paint once he gets the ball but i don't know i don't know what's like holding him back from doing that or like he's not in as good as he was on defense last year like uh, 
that's supposed to be his best asset but i don't see that happening either so uh, i i really don't know what's going on with the timbulls right now but coming back to the jazz um, yeah i mean we went off tangent yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah coming back to the jazz it's safe to say that they're making it work and also not to mention uh, that they have new coach um quinn snyder is no longer their coach so i think that could have also had an impact on how they you know are splitting their roles and how they are making it work because if you remember quinn snyder's jazz had um their offense highly dependent on the three point line you know which we all we we already spoke about that not being a wise option deep into the playoffs and as we predicted that happened uh, last season where uh, they kept jacking up threes and they missed a lot and eventually they lost so the coaching uh, the coaching has changed and uh, it's it's good to see how you know lori markinen has embraced his role as the alpha on the utah jazz and uh, we'll see we'll see i i, I want to see how this pans out if they do make it to the playoffs yeah i mean coming back to the rudy gobert point i think that the jazz are much better off with even let's say walker kessler who has been very good for them right now and the thing is the future for them is very bright because as you said if they do make the playoffs this season they already have an insane amount of talent colin sexton is not even one of the players who is regularly mentioned with the jazz and that is something that i don't even know how how that happened like i was a firm believer that they should have traded garland then <laughs> and kept sexton because sexton mm-hmm. is a really good player and i don't think many people realize this but colin sexton the bull he is appreciated by many 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 players in the nba which speaks to its value but you know he often in coming off an injury so he's not able to play to his full potential and yeah. you know he's in a new system mm-hmm. so you know maybe sexton goes back to and develops way further than he used to play in cleveland and fits in with markin and with all the shooters around they the sky is the limit like i don't even know who the best player on the team is right now right now it's markinen because he commands the most attention he can shoot you know he can post up he can make the right pass and will hardy's coaching system is very nice and yeah. encourages a lot of ball movement and does not have too many isos expect except you know for clarkson or markinen at times mm-hmm. and all of them have stepped up and it speaks to the value of the team right like they could have just given up and said yeah i mean we are a tanking team anyway we have the picks and even the management might encourage this sort of thing like the rockets right like they're also a really good team they have a really good coach but except for a few winning streaks they've never actually shined as much as even the jazz have this season and it's really refreshing to see that in the nba right now yeah that's that's definitely that and um uh, like colin sexton i think is out due to an injury So when he's back I think he'll you know replace um, probably um Mike Conley on the starting lineup and um, he's like he he's a very fast player and he's a good shooter and all but I'm not sure if he's going to be back to his uh, true self post injury but I hope he does and um, that young squad for the Utah Jazz will definitely be a threat to reckon with in the Western Conference is what I feel right Yeah I mean speaking about the western conference one of the juggernauts that we thought would actually be in the top 3 consistently I mean they would have probably been in the top 3 if not for a Devin Booker injury 
the Phoenix Suns are going through a really weird rough patch. They've been having, they've been seen where in the middle of games, Aiton and uh, their coach have been having disagreements. And I don't know why DeAndre Aiton signed there in the first place. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on the chemistry issues the Suns have been having recently? Yeah, I mean, I knew DeAndre Aiton was a red flag, right, from his press conference when the season started when, uh, when a reporter asked him if he was, uh, what was, what his initial reaction was when the Suns matched his offer. Um, he was just like, I'm happy. That's it. Like, that was his only reaction. I mean, not that I expect him to, like, jump out of his seat and, you know, celebrate or anything, but the way he said it and the his, his uh, neutral expression and, um, you know, everything just signaled that he wasn't happy being there and he was just there because, I don't know, he had to or something. But if given a chance, I definitely think he'd want out. And um, although the, the Phoenix Suns are trying to make it work, it's kind of resembling the 2019 Houston Rockets, but just a worse version, wherein the 17-18 Rockets were the best team in the league, right? Like, uh, I mean, uh, just like the um, Phoenix Suns last year. But um, when uh, when it comes to this season, um, they do have chemistry issues, which has their season affected significantly. They're the eighth eighth seed right now. Um, just, um, you know, one spot away from being uh, the ninth seed. And uh, that's that's pretty risky for a team that, you know, was the best in the whole league last season. Um, and I, I would definitely credit this to, you know, chemistry issues between uh, the coaching and DeAndre Ayton. And, um, you know, just generally with Devin Booker and, um, the other team members because although Chris Paul has you know been playing pretty much all the games and he's missed very few games he's not having the impact that he once had with this very same team um, I, I, I would also say they've significantly improved on the shooters like Damien Lee and you know everyone else but they, they seem like they're lacking something and that's not something you can see on the uh, scoreboard so I think this is slowly turning out to be disastrous for the Phoenix Suns, but yeah, we'll uh, just have to see where this goes. Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned from the start of the season with Aiton's muted response and one of their best 3 and players, Jay Crowder, saying he does not want to play for them anymore. and They've still yet to find a good spot for him to go. And something like that is unheard of for a team which finished with the number one seed. Like, every player has to be bought in. I don't know what happened and I think they've been plagued with a lot of controversy with their owner being fired for racism and misogyny allegations. And I mean, not fired, I mean, he pretty much said he's selling the team after all the accusations. And it takes a toll on the team, right? Like, if, if the team's owner is a sort of person who would condone something like that, it would get into the, into the minds of the players. Not to say that it would cause this much of a chemistry issue that was always there. And one of the other things that I guess you could point the finger to are injuries, but I don't think we should talk about injuries right now because without CP, as you said, the Suns were relatively un- unaffected. Like they, they pretty much lost three or four games when CP went down with his injury this season. But when Booker got injured, you know, people saw that, you know, CP was not the player he was. And with Aiton not being fully bought in, it does not 
make any sense to me why they signed him because they could have just traded him and got like a good piece actually you know what maybe they will do that next season but yeah i'm not sure why they even bothered keeping him like the rockets right like they were in this exact same situation with harden saying you know i don't want to play with cp anymore and they traded cp3 immediately which was in hindsight a stupid move which i will always regret mm-hmm. i don't know why they didn't do it like the management has to put their foot down at this point but maybe you know what that's what the suns are doing right yeah. like they could say you know bro aiton you booker and cp are still really good you guys are the number one seed last year but the rest of the team is crumbled there's no crowder anymore Mikael Bridges is the one shining ray of light in this team and other than that they're all just you know with Cam Johnson's injury they've had a lot of problems this season and i just don't see them making it very far even if they do make the playoffs like if you look at their last game against the new york knicks they lost by 20 points losing by 20 points against the knicks you wouldn't expect the suns to be in that conversation right so like yeah. I don't know what's really going on with them and even like Mikal Bridges and uh you know all their shooters like Landry Shamet um Damian Lee Cameron Payne they they're not you know their best selves at all they're not not they're not even a reflection of what they were last season because if you remember players like Cameron Payne were talking smack to LeBron and all like they did something but you know just just shows that if you're not consistent like anything can change in a year even when you are not like in part of the problem or whatever so if you look at last game like like the phoenix suns shot 27% from 3 when was the last time you think that happened before to the phoenix suns against the new york knicks yeah i mean and looking at the scoreboard itself it's just very pathetic nobody scored above 12 points yeah on the phoenix suns exactly like, you're not you're not winning many games like if you have a lot of players scoring 15 above like that is a decent game but this is just sad and you know looking at chris paul right he had two assists and he played 30 minutes and you know maybe that's because campaign was pretty much in charge of the ball for a lot of other times but i don't know it just does not give me cp3 vibes for him to have two assists yeah. after playing 30 minutes and right like yeah like one would expect Phoenix Suns without Devin Booker to at least make like uh the Knicks run for their money but no it's it's pretty much an easy win for the Knicks and they didn't even, they just scored 83 points in in the league with such high paced offenses like you know breaking records every day like the literally the other day Donovan Mitchell scored 71 points on his own and <laughs> Phoenix Suns have scored 83 points as a team <laughs> so I really don't know what's like going on with them but I'm I'm happy um because I hate the Phoenix Suns not because I hate Chris Paul or like or like anyone in particular but I just hate every single player on their team like with the passion because they like they act like they, they've done something but in reality they've like they're literally nothing with like yeah. if, if you can see like with just a minor change in their roster or with a chemistry issue like this they're going to crumble so i'm happy this is happening yeah i mean they also did oust your team lakers the last time they were in the playoffs so yeah i mean that was because ad was injured just so you know <laughs> but yeah i guess the attitude they must have shown at that point was too much to bear but anyway um the suns are still in the contention to make the playoffs and with the west being as competitive as it is they might end up making it but 
in my opinion i don't think they are even a contender i think the west has insanely good teams the nuggets grizzlies pelicans mavericks kings and even you know the trail blazers and clippers clear them and that's not even to mention the warriors who are a lower seed than them but yeah. i would pick any of these teams to beat them at any point and with these kinds of issues it's a lot harder to resolve like if it was something like one player is injured like let's say the lakers have ad back let's say all their problems are gone and you know it's not a problem like that i don't think aiton will stay at least at this point i don't know maybe you know they have a lot of more wins and he's more convinced but i don't see that happening right yeah <clears throat> so there are like i am pretty sure there are a lot of um unknown issues behind the scenes for the phoenix suns because i feel monty williams is a good coach you know still he can have the impact that he had with the phoenix suns last season with any other given team so i i don't think he is the problem and if you've seen uh, over the past few seasons he's been a really encouraging and supportive coach uh, for all his players so i i i think the players i don't know their egos are getting in the way or the fact that they need to get paid more is i don't know if that's what they feel or whatever is going on but i just know that it's not good for the phoenix suns and um, although they are in the playoff uh, picture right now um the season still very young so we never know what might happen in the near future because we're we're hardly um halfway across the season so there's still a lot of time left we'll see we'll see um how this pans out right so that's been it for this episode guys we hope you enjoyed it and hopefully we'll be back sooner than ever with another episode thank you for listening guys